Welcome to the Love Life Podcast, episode number 13, How to Cope with Stress and Life. It's December 23rd, 2020. I'm your host, Lisa Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and podcaster. And what I do is I help people be well-loved, happy, and healthy, even when times are extremely difficult. For my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and my music is by Howie Moscovich. How to cope with stress and life. Well, we all know that stress is bad for us. I mean, we know that, right? Yes, we do. But were you aware that stress can kill your brain cells according to the research? You might not be aware of that, but if the idea that stress can kill your brain cells is a little too far-fetched or over the top for you, I want you to consider that going back to 1996, Professor Robert Sapolsky, who is a Stanford biological sciences professor, published a review article in the journal Science, that's August 1996, showing links between long-term stressful life experiences, long-term exposure to hormones produced during stress, and the shrinking part of the brain involved in some types of memory and learning. Now, Professor Sapolsky is, happens to be the author of the book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, and he compiled his research using MRI scans or the magnetic resonance imaging. If you're interested in more recent, recent research, in 2014, there was a journal article titled Neuropathology of Stress by Paul Lucasen et al. And I want to quote from that research, which, by the way, is supported. The article titled Neuropathology of Stress has 247 cited references in the paper. So here's a quote from that 2014 article or study. Exposure to chronic or severe stress has profound effects on the structural and functional integrity of the limbic brain areas that not only coordinate the stress response, but are also exposed to the altered expression levels of different hormones, neurotransmitters, transmitters, and tropic factors. So this is science that says stress is really bad for you. Prior to the pandemic in 2018, Time.com reported that 40% of Americans were more anxious than in 2017, and about 18% of the population suffered from an anxiety disorder, which equates to about 40 million Americans. That's prior to a pandemic. So we're in a pandemic and more people have anxiety, stress, fear, worries, all kinds of negative emotions, and it's just not good for you mentally, emotionally, physically. So in today's podcast, 
I'm going to help you build your coping mechanisms to deal with stress and life. And here's the things that I'm going to be covering today. Number one, we're going to, I'm briefly going to talk about fears and worries, the negative impacts of stress. I'm briefly going to touch on fear, risk, and worry. Then I'm going to get into different types of coping mechanisms because I think that's going to be helpful to you. And then I'm going to give you actions and steps to take to improve your coping mechanisms or your coping strategies and deal better with stress. I have a few takeaways from the podcast and then my call to action. So let's dive in. So prior to a pandemic, I had in a blog post listed uh, worries and fears. And I just want to read through those because these are current worries and fears, but they're also worries and fears that people have had prior to a pandemic. So I'm not going to It's 31 things, but basically not having enough money or financial security, health issues, job security, relationships, that includes keeping one, finding one, losing one, repairing one, housing issues, retirement, children, including wanting them and not having them, not wanting them, having them, and all kinds of problems associated with children. Parents and siblings, which could fall under the umbrella of dysfunctional families, world issues of many kinds, politics, health insurance, transportation, which could include having it, not having it, repairing it, replacing it, etc. Being worried about what people think of you, being worried or fearful about what people are saying about you, being worried or fearful that you're not good enough, which would mean inadequacy concerns, having your meaning or purpose in life unclear, having worries or fears about whether you are loved, about failure, about making friends or making new friends, worries and fears about being rejected, being hurt, being betrayed, of divorce, of marriage, of death or dying, of being negatively judged or condemned, of change, of losing control, of uncertainty, of the other shoe dropping, meaning something bad happening. And last, one of my favorites, which is FOMO, in case you missed that, that's fear of missing out. Well, apparently that's like the young people's jargon. So here's the thing. Even separate and prior to a pandemic, there's all kinds of things to worry about and have fears about in life. But let me tell you what Winston Churchill said. And this is a quote from Winston Churchill. Let our advance worrying become advance thinking and planning. And another one from Ovid. Happy is the man who has broken the chains which hurt the mind and has given up worry for once and for all. So there is a um, a long list of, of the negative health impacts of long-term worrying or fear. And I want to go over them and I want you to listen from the standpoint, do you have any of these impacts? Because hopefully if you do, that would not make me happy. But hopefully if you have any of these already, that's going to hopefully help you get more motivated to dive into boosting your coping strategies and your coping mechanisms for life. Now, if you don't have any of these negative health impacts, well, praise God. But if you don't, these are the reasons why you also want to boost your coping skills and mechanisms so you don't end up with these problems. So 
long-term worrying or fear can cause uh, increase in blood pressure, meaning it increases your risk for heart disease. It depresses the immune system, which makes you more susceptible to, to diseases, including cancer. And worrying or fear or stress changes your blood chemistry. If it's chronic or ongoing worry or fear, that inc can increase your risk of diabetes. Now, this is all according to the medical research. It increases your risk for clinical depression. It impairs the fo formulation of new fast-growing cells like bone and hair, which over a prolonged period of time can contribute to baldness. It reduces your ability to form new memories and recall memories depresses fertility, increases aches, muscle aches and pains, can make you less um, interested in intimacy, can cause extreme fatigue, it can cause upset stomach, ulcers and acid reflux, breathing problems, irritability, migraines or headaches, panic attacks, irritable bowel syndrome, sleeping problems, worsening of skin conditions like eczema, backaches, anxiety, and difficulty concentrating or making decisions. So this is a long list. It's 21 items of the negative health impacts of long-term worrying or fear according to the research. So that's not good for you and I don't want you having all these bad things. So we're going to talk about what you can do instead. So before I dive off of that and talk about coping mechanisms, I want to really just touch on fear and worry and risk. So fear basically is one of those negative emotions that cause that is caused by that the belief that something or someone is dangerous or it's likely to cause pain or threat. So that's what fear is. Worry on the other hand is a state of anxiety or uncertainty over either actual or potential problems. Or it's, or it's giving in to a feeling of uneasiness or allowing your mind to dwell on difficulties or problems. Now, there is a skill set for dealing with fear. Now, I have a short YouTube video about fear. Actually, I might have two. Um, and, you know, there, there are just things to learn and grow in terms of your emotions. Now, uh, my second podcast is Emotions as a Superpower, and my, what is it, my fifth podcast is Using Emotional Pain to Your Advantage. So if you want to, you know, start to have less fear and less worry and less anxiety, growing your emotions with respect to fear and worry can be very, very helpful. And I, I want to mention as a side note, because I think it's funny there. If you Google Bob Newhart, Bob Newhart was this show. I, I forget whether it was called the Bob Newhart show or what, but Bob Newhart, if you Google Bob Newhart and stop it, there's a video on YouTube that is like a little clip from one of his shows, which was a sitcom that my kids and I just used to watch. It's called Stop It. So Google Bob Newhart, Stop It. And I just think that video is so funny because there's a little bit of truth in some things that are funny. So I want to go into coping mechanisms because that's not something we talk about in everyday life. Now, there are many, many, many coping mechanism categories. And I've picked eight out of a lot because I think it's helpful for you to kind of have this foundation before we get into what are the steps you're going to take 
to better cope with stress, to better cope with life, to boost your coping mechanisms. So the first one is called adaptive mechanisms, and those are ones that offer positive help. So of course, we're going to be focusing on adaptive mechanisms because that's going to offer you positive help. The next one I have listed is attack mechanism, and that's one where you push discomfort onto others. And I've included this because that is what some people in your life might be doing to you, or maybe you're doing that to other people. I hope not, but it's helpful for you to understand that sometimes the way people cope with emotional pain or stress or, you know, trauma, whatnot, is to push their discomfort onto other people. It's helpful to know because you don't want to take their take their monkeys. The next one I have listed is avoidance mechanism, and that's where you basically avoid the issue. That is really not helpful, so we want you to not continue doing that, which is why we're going to get into actions you can take. The next one I have listed is a behavioral mechanism, and that is change what we do. So we are going to focus on adaptive mechanisms that offer positive help and behavioral mechanisms that change what we do. And next up is cognitive mechanisms, which is change what we think. And for some of you listening to this podcast who are new to growth and development, new to psychology, new to this whole functional living and being able to be happy when life is terrible, this is going to be like you thinking differently. Okay, so cognitive mechanisms are when we change what we think. Conversion mechanism is the next thing, and that's when we change one thing into another. And I actually am a fan of that because in a conversion mechanism coping strategy, what you can do is take a problem and turn it into an opportunity. Because I'm a fan that every bad thing can have have a silver lining, and you can, of course, that's also the title of my podcast, using emotional pain to your advantage, because what else would you want to do with pain? If you're going to be in pain, you might as well use it to get something good out of it. But, you know, conversion mechanisms are one where you change one thing into another. The next thing I have listed, because I think it's really helpful for you to understand, hopefully you're not engaging in some of these, but the next category is called defense mechanisms. Very common in the world and in society. And the defense mechanism covers or includes all of Freud's original set of defense mechanisms, of which I'm going to name off a few. Not all of them, but a few. Denial being one of them. That's that's not helpful. Repression. Projection. Now, projection is so common in, in society. It's just really common. And it's actually going to be included in one of my upcoming podcasts about basic psychology concepts you should know. Because I think there's like, well, more than 20 basic psychology concepts that everybody should know. I'm going to talk about another one here shortly. But projection is where you're putting emotions you can't deal with yourself onto other people. So if you can't deal with the fact that you're angry about something, then you might say to somebody else, well, you're just angry about it. When they might not be angry at all. I mean, they might be angry, but they Sometimes they're not angry and it's you projecting your emotions onto them. Displacement also happens frequently and that's the kind of the uh, the adage we say, you know, you, you come home from work and you kick the dog. You know, you're, you're displacing your anger or your emotions onto someone else or something else. Rationalization also happens frequently and regression. Now regression, the easiest example to use for that 
is that um, you think of a child that's older that starts to suck their thumb, something they used to do at a younger age. And lastly, under the mechanisms is the self-harm mechanism, and that's engaging in things that harm ourselves. So there's very positive mechanisms for coping that I just touched on, and then there's some negative ones that we want you to move off of and move away from. So what are some steps that you can take to boost your coping mechanisms or coping strategies and deal with stress and life better? Well, number one, I'm asking that you commit to change your life for the better. Because anything worthwhile in life starts with a commitment. It starts with you making up your mind, drawing a line in the sand and saying, yep, I'm not going to have that anymore. I'm going to have the good stuff in life. I'm going to grow and develop. I'm going to, you know, cope with life better. I'm going to deal with stress in a more effective way. It starts with you making a mental and emotional commitment to change your life for the better. Number two, my first podcast is called Be Well Loved. And if you haven't listened to that one, I would ask that you please, please, please listen to it. Because I believe it should be everyone's number one goal in life to just be well loved. Like what else is there that matters? Well, of course it matters that you have enough food. Of course it matters that you can pay your bills. There's lots of things that matter. But being well loved is amazing. And, you know, why not have it? Why not? So think about going back and listening to that Be Well po- Well Love podcast. If you want a shorter version, I have a YouTube video that's probably, I don't know, four or five minutes on, on the same topic and you'll get the idea. Now in the podcast, I talk about why are most people or why are many people not well loved because there's a lot of reasons. And by the way, if you go through the steps here to boost your coping mechanisms and deal with stress more effectively, you are actually on the road to being well loved because every other step I'm going to cover is going to help you be well loved. Next up, self-care and self-compassion. Now, this is not something that we typically talk about in society, but we should be. It is the subject of my fourth podcast, Feeling Better with Self-Care and Self-Compassion. And there's a lot of things covered in self-care and self-compassion, which is why I have a whole podcast that I think is probably over 30 minutes on it. It includes sleep, it includes nutrition, it includes moving your body. It includes setting boundaries in your environment and taming your inner critic. Well, if you're not familiar with self-compassion, you have this little voice inside your head that's always saying bad things to you, or I should say over 95% of the time, your inner critic is saying, oh, you should have done this, and oh, you're a loser, or this or that. So self-care and self-compassion, if you took that on in your life, that you are going to get really good at self-care and self-compassion, which by the way, I have them together here in this podcast as a step. And I put them together in the podcast number four, because they dovetail together beautifully. There's a lot of synergy there. If you're going to work on one, why not work on the other? This is what I call a foundational skill in life. This is not optional. Like you want to be healthy. I mean, who doesn't want to be healthy? I don't know. I don't know if you want if you want to do the victim mentality or something else and you just want to like moan and let other people take care of you. Okay, that's not most people. Most people want to be healthy. They want to be happy. They just don't know how to get there. 
self-care and self-compassion will help you immensely. So there's a podcast. I have blog posts on self-care and blog posts on self-compassion. So there's plenty of material to support you. But like I do self-care and self-compassion every day. Well, self-compassion now, it's like it's a muscle I have built going back. And if you listen to that podcast, I do I do share a little story about my kids helping me grow that muscle. And they loved it. Um but I take a shower every day. I get dressed like I'm going somewhere every day. I have fun with self-care. I enjoy taking care of myself. There's lots of things I do and I make it fun. Because why not? I don't I don't like boring. Okay? I like fun. So self-care and self-compassion are major, major foundational things that you need to have in your life. And if we look around in the world, if we just looked at America and the rates of obesity and addictions and everything else, people are not taking care of themselves and they're not being very compassionate. So that is where I would start. Of course, I want you to really start with be well loved, but you know, you'll, you'll pick out of this list, whatever you want to do and you'll do life however you do it. Next up, oh my gosh, I love this one too, which is to learn to use your emotions as a superpower. That is the topic for my second podcast, which is emotions as your superpower or emotions as a superpower, because quite frankly, if you understood and had really good solid skills and mastery in identifying, managing and processing your emotions, that is a superpower. I'm telling you, emotional intelligence. So emotional intelligence is a category under growth and development. It includes self-awareness, self-regulation, all kinds of things, which I talk about in emotions as a superpower. But you'll be able to be happier. You'll be able to, you'll have, according to the research, you'll have better job success. You'll make more money. There's so many benefits to having your emotions be a superpower because either emotion, either you learn that skill set and you know how to identify, manage, and process your emotions, or it's either or, or primarily you are at the whim of your emotions. Your emotions are running your life. Your emotions are running the show. And for some of you, hopefully not too many, but I'm, I'm a little suspect that it's more than I'd like to hear some of you use emotions as a way to reason in life, and that's called emotional reasoning. Emotional reasoning is a cognitive distortion, which means it's bad. That's not that's not you living in reality and truth. You want to use facts to reason. You want to use logic to reason. If you're using your emotions to reason, that's called emotional reasoning. It is a cognitive distortion, and it's not good, and it's not healthy. But if you learn to use your emotions as the superpower they are, you can get away from that cognitive distortion. So there's tons and tons and tons and tons of benefits to learning how to use your emotions. We just don't happen to learn that going through life. I mean, if you're me and you started with an assertiveness book in high school, which by the way, I have a podcast on the power of assertiveness, you know, you would have started to grow your emotional abilities at a young age. We're not good at anger. We're not good at sadness. We're not good at a lot of the negative emotions. Well, it doesn't take much help to be happy. When you're happy, you're happy. That's not something people, you know, generally need help with. Now, they need help with learning how to be happy when life is hard and how to generate happiness, which happens to be my next 
suggestion for building your coping mechanisms for stress, for life and for stress, which is learning how to generate your own happiness. Happiness doesn't have to be an elusive someday, maybe whenever happiness. And it is also the subject of one of my other podcasts. But you could be intentional about your happiness. I am extremely intentional about my happiness. Because I know how to identify, manage, and process my emotions, I also have high skills in generating happiness. I have blog posts about happiness. I have YouTube videos about happiness. Obviously, I just mentioned another podcast. You can make a list of what makes you happy in life and sprinkle your life with it. It's just that we don't walk around talking about, oh, Do you have a list of what makes you happy? Oh, are you doing things that make you happy? No, we don't talk about that. In fact, from coaching people over the years, one of the questions I usually ask pretty early on is, what makes you happy? And quite frankly, most people don't know because we don't talk about this. So it's time to take actions in your life to be intentional about happiness and being inspired. That is a coping strategy. It's one of mine. And I actually have a a YouTube video and a blog post about flipping the switch on your emotions, which is taking an action to help you feel better right away, which could be a distraction, but hopefully it's something that'll make you happy. All right, next up, learn to be present. When I say learn to be present, I mean like right now in this moment, not cogitating on other things, not thinking about the future, not worrying about the past, like being in the present right here, right now. Another popular term for being present currently is mindfulness. And whatever term you want to use, the more you can be right here, right now, and mindful or present, the less you're going to be consumed by worrying about the future or being upset about the past because all you have is right here, right now. Now you can be taking actions right here, right now to create your future, create it powerfully, create it to be filled with happiness and love. But being present is going to help you immensely as a coping mechanism for life. Okay, ditch any negative thinking, overthinking, pessimism, or worry. Okay, I got to tell you that If you're using negative thinking, overthinking, catastrophizing, worrying, that is going to shoot your, that's like shooting yourself in the foot. And that's also using the self-defeating prophecy instead of the self-fulfilling prophecy. Remember earlier in this podcast, I said there's some psychology things you want to know. Yes. Well, the research is clear and compelling. Negative thinking doesn't get you anything good. If you need help with that, there's a book called The Power of Positive Thinking that's been around for decades, but that's got to go. The other thing that's got to go is disempowering attitudes and beliefs. And this is another subject that we don't really walk around in life talking about. We don't talk about, oh, do you have any disempowering attitudes or beliefs? No, we don't, we don't walk around and say that to people. We, we should. It would be great. Like, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. So here's some examples of disempowering beliefs or attitudes. I can't win. My life never works out. My life is terrible. Everyone is against me. Nothing good ever happens to me. You get the idea. Disempowering attitudes and beliefs is going to get you more of what you don't want. So they have to go. Now I have a short 
YouTube video about disempowering attitudes and beliefs, and I have a short YouTube video about empowering attitudes and beliefs. So you want to go for the empowering attitudes and beliefs. So for me, like, I believe something good is always about to happen. <laughs> and, of course, I, I've had many, many, many bad things happen in my life. Yeah, I'm laughing, but they're not funny. They're really not funny. So my next suggestion is get on the road to growth and development. I mean, growth and development, oh, my goodness, I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan. Because growth and development is the access to learning how to deal with your emotions. It's the access to love. It's the access to developing great coping mechanisms and coping with life. It's it's just the access to really good stuff. Like, why would you want your life to be harder if it could be easier? I don't know. I'm a fan for easier, funner, happier. <laughs> I'm just a fan for the good stuff. And... In my experience, starting back in high school with an assertiveness book, thank you, Mom, you know, I got in this track of growth and development. Like, thank you. Like, thank you. And then I became an RA at Penn State, and we had to take a counseling education course and, and write an autobiography. And so just, I could have this rich history of growth and development, and I'm so blessed. So I want you to get on the road of growth and development. And if you need... A little more of a nudge than that, you can look at my November 2019 blog post. I have a blog post that's called Top 45 Ways That Personal Growth and Development Will Have You Have Hope You Have a Life That You Love. I'm clear. Growth and development is an access to love, peace, happiness, all the good stuff. Why would you not want that? Because it can be fun. Listen, remember I don't like to do things that are fun. If growth and development was like bad too painful, too hard. Not, I wouldn't be doing it. I do it because the return on investment is phenomenal. So the best return on investment. All right, next up, as a coping strategy, coping mechanism for life, I would seriously suggest that you build your gratitude muscle. And it is a muscle that will grow and develop the more you use it. It is the subject of my eighth podcast, Gratitude. And it is something that you can learn and develop. So there's a podcast you can listen to. Next, I've already talked about emotions, but because we're in a pandemic and life is very painful for everyone. I mean, it's just, we're just dripping with pain and suffering and all the bad stuff. But you can use emotional pain to your advantage. You can. I've been doing it forever. And it's not the way we think of emotional pain. So listen to my fifth podcast, Use Emotional Pain to Your Advantage, and start using the pain of the pandemic to your advantage. Next, I recommend that you have really great friends. This is a very difficult subject. I am extremely sensitive and aware that most people, or it's extremely common, that most people don't have either enough friends or they don't have enough really good friends. Or sometimes their friends don't live in the same geographic area that they, that you know they're living in. So even with the constraints of a pandemic, friends and socializing are something that has to be, in my opinion, on your list and, and used as a coping strategy and mechanism to reduce stress and help you cope with life. Why? Because loneliness and social isolation, according to the research, increases 
premature death by up to 50%. I'm going to say that again. Loneliness and social isolation, this is according to the research, increases premature death by up to 50%, making it a bigger threat than obesity, according to two meta-analyses by Brigham Young University. So there's also additional compelling research that indicates, uh, you know, lack of social connections is an influential, is, is as influential a mortality risk as traditional health-related factors like alcohol, smoking, or obesity. So the, the medical research is well, first of all, it's fascinating. Second of all, it's compelling. We know, we know this. This is already known. We don't need to go study it somewhere. I mean, we can go study it somewhere, and I'm sure it will be studied, you know, in, in the future. But even with the pandemic, it's time to make more friends if you need more friends, or it's time to make new friends if you need better friends. Now, I have a whole series of videos on my YouTube channel about making friends. I have a podcast, podcast number 10 about making friends because it's a skill set and it's not a skill set that we grow up knowing. Like, you know, maybe you've learned it and you have like tons of friends and this doesn't apply to you, but this applies to many people, not all, but tons of people. So there's a podcast, there's YouTube videos, it's time to make friends because even with the pandemic, even with social distancing, even with the constraints of a pandemic, you can still take care of loneliness and isolation with Zoom calls, social distancing, what have you. You can still, you know, be with friends and friends are going to help you be well loved. Friends are going to help you in so many ways. And, you know, that that's just got to be a great coping mechanism. So maybe for you, it's time to make more friends. So that stuff will help you. Next up, assertiveness. Assertiveness is going to help you in every single area of your life. And most people, many people lack assertiveness skills because it's not something we teach. So my 11th podcast is on the power of assertiveness and that will help you. But this is something that you not only want to grow for yourself, but you want to help people in your life become more assertive because it's very healthy. And assertiveness, by the way, is sometimes misperceived. And actually, I looked at least two dictionary definitions that completely get assertiveness wrong. Assertiveness not only is what you need and want and your thoughts and your wishes and your desires, but it includes respect for other people and boundaries. So Assertiveness is something that I would highly, highly recommend. It will help you develop confidence. There's so many things, and like I said, I talked to about it in my, I did a whole podcast about it, so there's that. So the next thing that's really going to be helpful for you when you're working on coping with stress and coping with life is to be up to something. Now, you might think, oh, we're in a pandemic, there's nothing we can do. I call, mm -mm -mm, no, no, no on that, because let me tell you, a number of years ago, more than a decade, decade and a half ago, whatever, I was in a very, like, multiple traumas, really bad situation, which I could not extricate myself from or do much about, and what I did was I planned two events in the future, two actually reunions, that gave me, you know, it gave me something to look forward to. Now, they were more than a year out, 
and um, and it also provided a distraction from my problems. If you are having a tough time coping with life, being up to something can be immensely valuable, immensely powerful. It can help pull you forward in the worst of the worst. And I'm telling you, I not only did plan those two reunions, which by the way, we did have and they were wonderful. But I also, in 2003, joined Toastmasters International. Now, I might not be recommending that to you guys because I know public speaking is like the number one fear. But I had been a public speaker for a long time prior, and I love public speaking. So I was like jumping in the pool, you know, the things that I love. So joining Toastmasters International for me, loving public speaking, was just phenomenal. It was like great. So, but be up to something. Just be up to something, you know, set some goals. Well, hopefully you're listening to this podcast. You're going to set some goals about being well-loved. I hope, I hope you will take that on. You're committing yourself to developing new coping strategies and coping mechanisms. You're going to get on that self-care and self-compassion. So there's all kinds of things I've already covered in these steps that give you goals you could set. Even if you just set little goals like I'm going to get good at my emotions or I'm going to get good at self-care and self-compassion, that is going to be helpful and you're going to be developing coping strategies that will take care of you and help you be highly functional when life is hard. Next, I really want you to understand this psychological concept called the self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, I am covering that in an upcoming podcast on the psychology topics, but it it begs a mention right now. So, this self-fulfilling prophecy is a psychology concept that's been around for decades, like more than four decades. And basically, this is how it goes. What you believe, what you believe is critical because your actions are going to line up with what you believe. So in the self-fulfilling prophecy, let's say you believe that you're going to get this amazing job or you believe your life is going to work out or you believe you're going to meet your soulmate or you believe whatever you believe, your actions, subconsciously sometimes, but your actions are going to line up with that happening. And why this is so important, because if you're not operating on the self-fulfilling prophecy, then you're operating on its corollary, which is the self-defeating prophecy. You don't want to be shooting yourself in the foot and operating on the self-defeating prophecy because that's not good. It's the opposite of good. So you want to understand, are you using the self-fulfilling prophecy to your advantage? Next up, One thing that can really help you cope with life and can be a coping strategy or mechanism is to have hobbies. I'm a huge fan of hobbies. I'm like the hobby hobby queen. And I have a YouTube video about hobbies. I have a blog post about hobbies. Hobbies are phenomenal. And you can you can do hobbies. There's just I mean I my kids had to have hobbies. They had to have more than one hobby. It's just one of those things that I believe it's really good for people. And as since I'm covering coping mechanisms to help you with stress, hobbies can be a stress reliever and a coping mechanism. Next up, use your time better. You want to feel better 
learning how to use your time is going to give you more free time. It's going to give you more time to do things that make you happy. And why not? Because if you're wasting your time, most people are like feel guilty about it or their inner critic is going, oh, you're just wasted, you know, three hours or whatever. So I have a couple blog posts from 2019 about time and making lists and, and whatnot. There's plenty of information. But as a coping strategy for life, developing good time management skills is absolutely a coping strategy or mechanism that will help you deal with stress. It will give you more free time. It will give you time to do things that make you happy. So learning that skill set is a coping strategy or mechanism. Next up, if you have the luxury or the ability, volunteering to help others is a great way to cope with stress and life. Now, that's not something everybody can do because some people are caregivers or they have they're working two jobs or they're you know they're dealing with circumstances that don't allow them to volunteer. But if you have the capability, it can be a great way to cope with life and stress. Next up, it's really helpful to get a perspective on poverty in the world and other people's circumstances. I mean, there are people who are miserable who are wealthy, and they really have just few problems compared to the problems that the rest of us have. You know, like they don't have context, they don't have perspective. So having perspective can be extremely powerful as a way to cope with life. And lastly, you know, if you need therapy, go get therapy, okay? That that can be helpful. Cognitive behavioral therapy can be helpful. There's this thing called, you know, neuro-linguistic programming. There's the emotional freedom technique. There's journaling. There's, oh, affirmations. Oh, I'm a big fan of affirmations. I have a video about affirmations. Because you've lived your life up till now coping the way you've coped. Given what we know about society and the problems that people face in society and the percentage of people who face certain problems, we as a society don't cope very well with stress and we don't cope very well with life. So it's time to develop coping mechanisms, whatever they might be. I just gave you, you know, 20 different steps you could be taking to develop really strong coping mechanisms because when you have really solid coping mechanisms or coping strategies, then you don't get taken out of the game by stress. You don't get taken out of the game of life by when bad things happen. You're able to get through it. You're able to deal with your emotions. You're able to function. That's what we're talking about. Life is hard. Life has always been hard because there's always hard things that happen even prior to a pandemic. So in conclusion, your takeaways are life is stressful. It just is stressful. Life has always been stressful. Takeaway number two, by building your coping mechanisms and strategies, you're going to build resilience and your ability to cope when life is hard. Next, 
it takes actions to deal with stress and building coping mechanisms. You're not going to build your coping mechanisms just because you listen to this podcast or you go look at my blog or look at my YouTube videos. You're going to have to take actions, 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 and make your actions fun. Like I'm a fan of fun. And lastly, you can do this. You can learn new things. You can grow and develop. You can do it. You've got this. And I'm here to help you. But you have to be willing. You have to be willing to open up a little. You have to be willing to say, hmm, yeah, I probably could benefit from a little self-care. Or, hmm, yeah, maybe I could use a little more happiness or fun in my life. So here's my call to action for you. That it's time to recognize that it's time for change. Because life is hard and you want to have really great coping mechanisms. Next, my call to action is that you take actions. You get into actions and take someone with you. Life is so much more fun when you have partners in crime. So that could be friends. For some, it's family. For some, it's neighbors. For some, it's co whoever. Take somebody on this ride and say, hey, like, I'm going to boost my ability to cope with stress. You want to come? You want to join me and make it fun. Like, you could make anything fun. I play a little game when I go to the gas station about guessing how much gas it's going to take or what the dollar amount's going to be. Like, you can make stupid little things fun. You really can. And lastly, I'm asking for you to share this podcast. People are suffering. People need help. They need whatever they can get. And this podcast, my blog site blogs, posts, and YouTube videos. They're all free for people. So share the love, share some information, and let me know how I can help you because I really do care. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 13, How to Cope with Stress and Life. I sincerely hope you're going to hop on the road to growth and development and start boosting your coping skills for life because that's going to help you in lots of ways. Please connect with me at my website at www.lisaalundy.com and enter my giveaway to win some free prizes. You can also read 98% of my book on my website for free because it's my blog post. And thank you for listening. I love you. I want you to have a great life. Let me know how I can help you. Thank you and talk to you again.